Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. My pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show. Our mission is to serve and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. On last week's Clark Stinks, a lot of people were upset with me for talking about companies using biometrics to allow us to log in. Well, if you didn't like that, you might not love the first thing I'm going to talk about today, artificial intelligence and how insurance companies are using it in various ways. After I answer your questions, I'm also going to tell you about how taking a taxi could actually be a better option in some cities, in some situations, than Uber or Lyft. How could that be? I'll fill you in. So insurance companies are looking for ways to reduce overhead involved with processing claims. You know, because of weather pattern changes, they're dealing with a lot more natural disasters that are overrunning the ability for adjusters to be able in a timely way, timely manner to get to people. So instead of hiring more adjusters, Insurers are looking to deploy technology that will help with that and the adjuster will become more a manager of technology than doing how adjusters have normally done it in the past, which is getting in there with their own eyeballs and checking things out. The other thing is GEICO, you may or may not have heard about this, is using artificial intelligence to try to speed up the process of adjusting an auto claim. Because, you know, you'll be in an accident. Hopefully you're not hurt, just your vehicle is. It gets towed to the body shop. Body shop says, hey, we can't do anything because we haven't seen an adjuster from your insurer yet. And the insurer's being short-staffed either because of design or because they just don't have enough people doing the job, the claims are dragging on and on and on. And it's a terrible problem. There are times where you'll be in an accident with somebody who's at fault and you're trying to get their insurer to go do things and they're not doing it. They're not going to look at the vehicle, give you know a repair estimate and all that stuff. So Geico believes that they can use artificial intelligence design to, with video, to come up with what repair a vehicle needs, whether a vehicle should be totaled after an accident, um, how much the body shop should receive, all that. And we'll see how that plays. And then for uh, property damage, 
I did a story two years ago on television about insurers using drones to fly over a storm-damaged area or a storm-damaged home and use drone video combined with AI to come up with an estimate for repair. And now there's this new thing of using robots to go into a damaged property, uh, possibly for safety reasons, also for speed, to go in and evaluate with the robot the damage to a property. All this stuff is fine unless an insurer gets into that thing. It's like, think about when, okay, I love this. You're at a store and their computers are down. This happens, there's a Panera I go to with some buddies and their computers will go down and they have to shut down. They have all the stuff sitting there. The bagels, the pastries, the sandwiches, whatever. And they cannot serve you. They are shut down because they have become to the point where they cannot in any way transact, take money, unless the computers are operating. That is so upside down and backwards. They got to throw out all the product. They got to turn away all those people and they have to zero out their revenue because they don't have any backup for the computers. And I think about this kind of thing with the uh, home and vehicle repair estimates that what I worry about is the insurers will use technology in lieu of having people that are well-trained and experienced and not every claim fits a nice tiny tidy little picture and so this stuff going back to the whole idea of technology being good and bad good or bad this is a case where if the technology truly serves the customer and makes the experience better for the customer, fine. But if it becomes something where they say, well, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, our AI system said that the vehicle should be able to be repaired for $3,100. So we're not going to pay the repair cost that was 5000 I mean, come on, because the artificial intelligence said that was the cost. That's the danger with the drones, the robots, the AI, and all the rest is that people who adjust claims and the insurers themselves say, oh, well, we're powerless to this technology that we implemented. And that's what worries me. So be aware that when you're having a problem with an insurer, it could be they're defaulting too much to technology that is absolutely imperfect. Krista? This question's from Bill in New York. I qualify for a tax credit of $7,500 and a New York State discount of $1,000 from my 2021 new RAV4 Prime plug-in hybrid. The sticker price was $42,300. Thus, now it was $33,800. I got a bump on my trade-in. So my question is, did I get a deal? Bill, be confident and happy. The RAV4 Prime is something that Consumer Reports 
love so much, I'm surprised they didn't marry the RAV4 Prime. <laughs> and it is an amazingly well-thought-out vehicle that Toyota has done here where it runs like an electric car for daily commuting. It goes, if I remember right, somewhere like 40 miles on a charge. The average person drives 29 miles in a day. You may drive a lot more than that, and you're like, who only drives 29 miles in a day? But most people, you're essentially an electric vehicle for most every day of the year till you take a long trip, and then it's a hybrid that gets great fuel economy. The value of it with the tax credit you qualified for, for the plug-in hybrid, uh, the much cheaper cost of the electricity versus the equivalent of what you'd be paying for gasoline, and getting it for a net of 33.8 is a great deal. By the way, the retail price of the RAV4 Prime that you purchased is now what the average cost of a vehicle has been recently in the United States, approximately around 42,500 is the average purchase price of a new vehicle in the U.S. at this moment. From Daniel in Florida, I have a Tesla solar system and it took almost three weeks to get someone to tell me that the reason the solar system wasn't working was the in inverter. Then they ordered a new one, which according to the notifications from their app told me it came in a week later. At that point, I could schedule an appointment for the repair, which is another almost five weeks away. To call Tesla about this, there is a minimum of a one hour hold. Their customer service has been terrible, and I just want something other than getting told that they are busy. Daniel, gosh, I am so sorry. You know, Tesla's weakest link with every part of Tesla is the customer no service. Tesla has been growing so fast that it has outstripped their ability to provide reliable, decent customer service in any of their operations. Tesla with solar uh, last year or early this year became very aggressive on pricing on solar systems for people's roofs. And as a result, the demand for Tesla solar skyrocketed. They didn't have the infrastructure in place to deal with that massive increase in demand and you are collateral damage from that. And I'm really sorry that you're having to pay full freight for electricity during the end of the, the hot season in Florida for another five weeks. And that is really, really unacceptable. This is from Scott in D.C. My parents recently let me assist them with their financial affairs. They cleared $215,000 on the sale of their home. My parents were hoarders. They had their own estate sale and made $50,000 on that. But a large wow. portion of that money went to repair the house in preparation for the sale. They have 21 credit cards with $50,000 in debt. I have heard there may be up to $25,000 in debts with the hospital, so we could be talking about $75,000 in debt. Between Social Security and a pension, they bring home $5,600 a month. They, the place they are renting is $4,300 a month. I live near Washington, D.C., and they're in Florida. We need ideas on the best way to responsibly pay off this debt but still have money for them to live on. 
Scott, um, I'll tell you the truth. I'm shallow breathing hearing your story. Uh, this is a, a real, real problem. I don't know how many siblings you have, but your parent situation absolutely calls for kids to come now to the aid of your parents. And you need to have regular uh, family meetings among your siblings and talk about these issues because there's a lot of things here that have me very upset. Let's start with the rent. The rent of $4,300 a month is way too high versus their bring home of $5,600 a month. Their rent should be much lower than it. It may mean they need to live in a less desirable dwelling or a smaller dwelling than they live in right now. But the economics of monthly living it's not going to work paying $4,300 a month in rent. They have got to move to cheaper housing, period. Um, if you look at the other things going on, you talked about them being a hoarder, meaning that they've been a spender. They were able to generate fifty grand from their estate sale. They like to buy stuff, 21 credit cards. Um, they're not able to handle that debt. They're apparently just able, if they if it's accumulated to fifty thousand, they're just servicing interest, the debt possibly to a hospital. This is intervention time for you as kids. If you are the only child, you've got the responsibility all on your shoulders. But it's going to require getting more nosy, more involved in your parents' lives than maybe you. And if you do have siblings, your siblings and you together have been involved in their lives because they've got to lower their monthly overhead. Uh, this requires a holistic look, and it's not just any one part of this. So the debts involved, the 70, approximately 75000 in debts by your guesstimate, that's the attention getter to deal with the bigger overall issue, Scott, which is getting their finances under control. I think you need as siblings, again, I'm hoping you have siblings to share this with you, are going to have to be very interventionist. And as far as coming up with a budget for your parents, that's one of the things the National Foundation for Credit Counseling does, typical chapter for free, nfcc.org, where they'll work with your parents to come up with a budget to deal with these debts, come up with a plan for those debts, and uh, get them living in the green instead of the red, or the black instead of the red, whichever term you prefer. Because this is not going to get any better without close attention to their financial circumstance and situation. And I want to hear back from you, Scott, if you need help along the way guiding your parents. So, got a question for you. Pre-pandemic, and maybe again, are you a big-time Uber or Lyft rider? You notice the rates are much higher than they used to be. There are alternatives that you maybe have long written out of your life. You may now need to consider again.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There are a lot of times in the last few years where I might have rented a car that I started taking Uber or Lyft instead. And recently I was in an airport where historically my ride from the airport into town had been around $35 to $40. And so I land, I go on Uber, and it was showing me a rate of $118. Then I went on Lyft, and it was 60 bucks, half of what Uber was in that case, but it's not necessarily going to be the same every time. And it told me there was going to be a while before they could find a driver. And this kind of uh, shocking price increase has been happening around the country. According to the Wall Street Journal, in a test in New York, Uber and Lyft typically cost 40% more than a taxi. Remember those things? Usually yellow in most cities, and you get in and they pop up a thing and it starts charging you an initial fee and then so much for every seventh of a mile or whatever. Yeah, those things, they still exist. And the Uber and Lyft prices in many places have gone up so much that actually riding in a taxi could be cheaper. And even though my experience was Uber was three times in that one example I gave what it used to be, according to the most recent data, you're paying about, oh, a third more for a typical ride using Uber or Lyft than you used to. So it's a much more expensive and also variable thing because they've all got to attract drivers uber and lyft and they use various forms of algorithms of what they call surge pricing and so there's no predictability right now with uber and lyft so uh, there are different things you can do recently i was at another airport and the cost of uber and lyft both was through the roof well more than $100 for a ride. And I went online and figured out how to ride public transit from that airport into town. And I ended up paying, it was like three and a half, four and a half dollars for a ride. And it actually worked out fine versus taking an Uber or Lyft. You're going to have to be flexible. There are lots of cases now where... Remember, I said up front that I was using Uber and Lyft in circumstances where I used to rent a car, and then we had those huge increases in car rental rates earlier this year. Well, those prices in a lot of places have come back down more towards normal. And now, once again, in a lot of places, you're going to find renting a car is cheaper than using Uber or Lyft. And... Who knows if this is the permanent new normal or if this is a temporary phenomenon 
tied into the extreme labor shortages we're experiencing in so much of the American economy. But the thing is, the most important thing for you to know is you're not a sitting duck. Always have some kind of alternative way of getting around. Uh, I was telling my wife the other day, we're going to New York, that it was going to be important that she become familiar again with the Q33 and the M60, which are two bus routes that go from LaGuardia Airport to uh, subway stops where you can then take the subway into Manhattan because of how expensive it's, it is a lot of times to take any kind of transportation from the airport into Manhattan. And uh, if you're wondering, do I routinely, when I go to New York, use the M60 bus or the Q33? Obviously, I do if I knew the route numbers. Krista? Okay, Clark. Rob in Colorado says, I heard a new wealth building strategy recently, and I wanted Clark's take on it. Nicer things should only be bought with money made by investments, a.k.a. earnings, not money made by working, a.k.a. paychecks. This implies all money you don't need to live on goes to investments and earnings are withdrawn and spent. Have you ever heard of this before? Yes, this is a strategy that some people use, particularly because if you have um, long-term capital gains, it will be taxed at a lower rate than earnings from a paycheck. The idea is that you live within your means and generate additional investment income from your earnings, uh, additional money to put into investment from your earnings from a check. And that is a strategy. And Rob, the most important thing is to think of building wealth as this. The core is you have to live on less than what you make. In addition, the money you're investing has to be on target towards you having enough money for you to be able to retire at a time certain. If you continually say, hey, I made money in this investment or that one, and you spend it on fun things, that money's not there anymore to grow towards your long-term goal. So this is, this is a touted strategy that is supposedly a free lunch, but it's not really a free lunch if you're not going to achieve your goals of hitting your target of being uh, free of having to go to work at age whatever, whether it's 50, 60, 70, or often somewhere in between. From David in Nevada, your daily newsletter articles are largely written by staff. Are they always reviewed by you before publishing? No, they aren't, David. It depends on the story whether or not I'm dug deep into the details with the writer. And we have a process where I do a, a session of time every week for writers that we discuss an article that they're working on. But many times the way an article makes it to Clark.com is through a process where the writers first present an outline and there's a committee of three people that reviews the outline that the writer has submitted. And at that point we'll either say, no, we don't want to 
proceed with that story or that's not really where we want you to concentrate with that story. And after that process, as long as the story wasn't killed as an idea, the writer writes a draft. Then again, the committee of three reviews the draft and then our copy editor does a full copy edit and then the article is published on Clark.com and may then also be sent to one of our newsletters. So uh, there's so much content. If you think about Clark.com, we have more writers than most city newspapers now have on their staffs. And there's no way that I can uh, be involved in every one of those stories. So the best way to think of me is I'm the equivalent of the newspaper publisher and then we have the editorial team and then the writers that all do their jobs to make sure that what we write is factual, is written in a way that it will help you, that it will be actionable. And that's our goal, is everything about what we do is about integrity and trust to give you more power with your wallet every day and over time in your life. And I hope that gives a good explanation, David, about our procedure. And I want to thank you for joining us. And speaking of what David was talking about, please visit Clark.com if you haven't done so or haven't done so recently. See the content that we're writing to empower you. And if you want to stretch every dollar, check out ClarkDeals.com where we post deals that we think will help you save money in your everyday and ongoing spending. The whole idea is information and advice you can trust. <laughs>